Hello, everyone. And let me officially welcome you to the Fresh Fiction Virtual Book Club. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate the invite. I've been familiar with your writing for a long time. Um, a longtime reader here, but tell us a little bit to get things started, officially about Dakota Cassidy and how did you first get started writing? You know, it was really by accident. It honestly was not intentional. Um, I was reviewing for an online review site and uh, in the middle of all of that, where, you know, you got free books and eBooks were just starting to come out. So this is 20 years ago, we're talking now. And um, I guess some of my reviews, I guess, were funny. And the, which, listen, go figure. Um, they were funny. And a couple of the girls at the review site said, oh, you're so funny. You should write a book. And I thought, you are ridiculous. I can't even write the grocery list. Right. So what ended up happening was I read a ton of ebooks. I read, um, and like I said, this was when they were just starting. So Alora's Cave was really big then, and there were some really naughty books. And when I read them, the first one I read, I thought, is the, like, I remember looking around the room and thinking, is the FBI going to come and confiscate this? <laughs> Because I had never seen anything like this before, right. right? And I mean, we're talking graphic, which is fine. Because um, then I went and wrote graphic. But so I don't know. After reading all of those, and I did paperbacks too, traditional. Um, I sort of got an idea. Uh, and one of the other people that I um, reviewed with, also an author now, um, I just wrote something up. And I said to her, I don't know. It's probably stupid. She's like, send it to me. And I did. And she said, you should submit it. This is really funny. I mean, it needs work, obviously, because like I clearly didn't understand paragraphs or how to separate the two characters. But um, and so I did. And then long story short, somebody um, took it. Uh, LSB now no longer in, in the business. And somebody took it and um that started the bug. And then, um, then I was in the middle of a really ugly divorce and couldn't get a job. Uh, and I thought if there's a way to make some money doing this, I better really try. So I really tried. <laughs> I really tried, um, because I couldn't even get hired at the Seven Eleven. It was so bad. So, um, uh, again, another long story short, I was joking one night in this group that I'm with. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Angela Knight and Kate Douglas. They're sort of my mentors uh, early, in early days. And uh, I was making a joke because I was so desperate at this point. I'm living with my mother, with my two children. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet, how I'm going to support these two children. I mean, I didn't have a college education or anything. And which I'm sure surprises all of you, doesn't it? <laughs> It should not, because uh, I'm not that smart. But I was smart enough to hook up with people who really got it. And so I was joking around and I sent this joke email to all of them, you know, because somebody said, you really should try to get an agent. And at the time, that was how you did it. You got an agent. 
And I thought, you people are crazy. There is no way in this world anybody's ever going to want to read my drag. But so I said, well, what do you do? How do you do it? What do you say? And they're like, oh, you write a query letter. So I made a joke query letter. Dear agent, fill in the blank. You know, uh, you all are not going to believe how amazing I am. Blah, blah, blah. Joke, joke, joke. Going through a divorce. Really need the cash. Well, my friend took that and sent it to her agent and Kate Douglas. And I, she emailed me privately afterward and she said, don't kill me on the group, but this is what I did. And I said, you're crazy. This woman is never gonna, thanks, appreciate it, goodbye. Uh, two days later, she emailed me and she said, I'd really love to see something of yours. And I'm like, I really don't have anything but some ebooks that I could print out for you if you want. Because back in the day, they didn't take email submissions. It was, you had to send them a print copy and whatever. And I did. And I honestly did not expect to hear back from her. It took me 20 years to figure out the printer and get it right and send it to her. Um, and I did. And the day of my divorce, um, which of course is, you know, it was not a great marriage, but it was a, a rough time. Um, a really rough time. <laughs> I, uh, came home and I was exhausted from court. And, uh, although taking one for the team here, I really gave it to him. So there was that. Um, and I came home and my mom said, uh, somebody from this place called bookends called you. And I thought, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And I really need to go to bed because I'm fried. So I did. So the next day I the phone rings and my mother had taken the kids to school for me. I went back to lay down because I was still fried. And I thought, who is calling me? And so I grabbed the phone and I'm like, hello. <laughs> and, you know, this is back in landline days, right? And she's like, is this Dakota Cassidy? And I hadn't gotten used to, you know, obviously it's my pen name. I hadn't gotten used to it. And um, I was like, who? Oh, the hell are you literally I said that and she was like I'm Jessica from bookends and I'm really interested in your work has anyone contacted you about it before and I thought what work I didn't like none of it all came together long story short again um she ended up being my first agent and then I didn't really go anywhere with her. Like, I didn't really feel like we totally got each other. I loved her. She was wonderful. Um, I was at a convention and uh, my friend, Angela Knight, again, I have never pitched to an agent. I have never asked for an agent. I don't even know how I'm sitting here right now talking to you. So literally it just sort of, all happened. I went to a conference. Angela was sitting next to a really big agent at the time, Deirdre Knight. Um, and she said, oh my God, I have this friend. She's so funny. You would love her. And I had my books. They were eBooks though. And we were finally able to make them into, cause you know, we were the dirty stepsisters for a long time. Now it's how everybody reads. But then when we told y'all it was going to be popular, it wasn't that popular and it, oh, it was an RT convention. That was it. And so, uh, what happened was, um, 
I had some books printed up from my uh, digital publisher and she had given her one. And so apparently she sat right down and started to read it because of course at the time, um, funny paranormal was in. So Mary Janice Davidson, you know, people of that ilk and they were looking for that. So what happened was I come to see my friend and see if she wants to go grab a cup of coffee because she's a really big author and everybody wants to see her. And I figured maybe she could use a break or does she need anything or whatever? And she said, sit down. I need you to sit down and stay. And I'm like, for what? And she says, sit and stay. And I'm like, listen, I just came to see if you wanted coffee. And she's like, I have somebody I want you to meet. And I thought, mm. and as soon as I saw her, it didn't click at first, but she had my book in her hand. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know what she looked like. Didn't Google anything at that point in my life. And she said, Dakota, this is Deirdre Knight from the Knight Agency. And I was like, that's really nice. No idea who you are. And she was like, you don't need to know who I am. I just want you to know, I think you're hysterical. And I thought, and she said, I've been reading your book. And so Angela is mouthing behind her. She's an agent. She's an agent. She's an agent. And I'm like, are you insane? Did you really just do that to me? So out of love, all out of love, I ended up, push comes to shove, Deirdre takes my book. She reads it on our way home to Georgia. This con was in Florida. And she asked to, uh, to represent me. She said, I don't want to poach. So I have to know that you're going to leave your other agent. But if you're ever interested, I'm around. And I did. And then I guess it was like a year later, I got an idea for The Accidental Werewolf, which is about a woman who sells. We were at a, a <laughs> we were at another convention and it was RWA. And I'm not officially a part of RWA. I was for like 20 seconds and then I was out um, because way, way too many rules for me. Um, and what happened was uh, I was there um, and Mary Kay Cosmetics was there. And now if you're from Texas, you know that that was the be all and end all. And I thought, Lord, these girls look so beat down like they look like they had had I mean like it looked like it had been a really long weekend and it's hard to try to sell cosmetics door to door or whatever and so I got this idea I talked to a girl in the elevator and she was really cute and I felt really bad for her because she was sad because she got to a fight with her roommate and whatever and I thought would it be funny if I did something with like that sort of pyramid thing where there's a girl, she's selling cosmetics. She's trying to get ahead. She's super girly and cute. And she's got a little poodle and she's out one night uh, with her two very reluctant friends who became books two and three in the series. And she is walking her dog Muffin and um muffin goes after a dog she sees in the alleyway and it's a really big dog looks like a big german shepherd to her and when she goes to grab her dog and get him her off the big german shepherd who is not at all hurting little muffin she ends up being scratched and she turns into a werewolf 
and thus that's how all of that began so that's i have i know 25 books now in that series um but it all started with that and somehow my agent sold it to new york and from there it was just i guess i think i did 19 traditional books until i went indie in 2014 which has been amazing amazing because you can you know you're the captain of your ship and uh sometimes that's not so amazing but it was really great and i don't get me wrong print was very good to me traditional was very good to me um i made some really great friends and i loved it and uh i loved writing i wrote for berkeley i wrote for harlequin um it just sort of snowballed so that's how i got it was all just a big mistake like i always call myself the accidental author because I really didn't mean for this to be the way I made my living, but here we are. And that's, that's the whole story. All well, of it. With all of that, and because I love how you didn't really come from a traditional background and in, in getting into the writing. And like you said, you're the accidental author on some of this, but you've been yeah. so prolific with it all. And so many of your books have that humor and snarking, well, I think snarkiness in them, mm -hmm. where a lot of those laugh out loud moments. Do you think that kind of non-traditional background helps you keep everything fresh? Because again, I mean, with so many books just in the Accidental series, and then you have just as many books in your other series, yeah. it's a lot of writing to still keep things topical and appealing to the readers with each new novel tell me about it <laughs> i um you know what i did not i sort of railed against the whole craft thing like everybody when we go to a convention they'd be all like oh let's go learn how to write humor let's go learn how to write that and i thought you really can't learn. I, I know people say you can, but I really don't believe that. I think it either is or isn't. You're either funny or you're not. And for some people, believe me, you can look at my reviews, think I'm stupid. So, you know, I mean, it it that's just the way it is. That's that's how it is. And you thick skinned and I've all I'm an ex-beauty queen, so I can take any kind of criticism you throw at me. There isn't anything you could say to me unless you say it about my mother. And then I will come knocking on your door. Whatever you want to say about me is fine. Um, I did not do any of that. I mean, I learned as I went, obviously. Like, I really paid attention in my first edits. I really, really paid attention to all of it because I wanted to learn how to construct a sentence, even though, I mean, I make up words and there's all sorts of crazy and whatever because of my sense of humor. Um... But I never really, I sort of just always looked at it like I did at the bus stop. I would tell a story at the bus stop to the other mothers and they would be like, oh my God, you're so funny. And I would think that's just how I looked at it when I wrote. So the actual technical part of it, I obviously learned, but the rest of it, I just sort of did. So I think that maybe because I didn't, let myself get too freaked out about because if I had started going to um panels that taught you how to write uh humor or mystery or whatever I never would have done it I never would have done it I would not have done it um because I'm all about I know it doesn't seem like it because my reputation precedes me but 
I am a rule follower. <laughs> if I think I'm messing it up, I, I won't do it. Um, so I just sort of turned a blind eye to stuff like that. And um, it really helped me to take risks that I otherwise would not have. Because, you know, when you get that first crappy review and somebody calls you stupid, um, which is always nice, um, you know, it, it, again, I, you can say whatever you want about me. It doesn't upset me, but um, you really have to be prepared for it, you know? Yeah. So I think that in that respect, because I didn't try to do everything the way most writers attack the only thing I did really pay attention to was behavior in terms of what was acceptable uh and what wasn't it is not acceptable to um if somebody reviews you and gives you a crappy review and sends it to you on Twitter to your face <laughs> you'll not catch this author behaving badly i mean if you email me privately to my like it's like coming to my house right right and and going through my refrigerator and going you suck you don't have anything in here i want then i'm going to say something to you it's all bets are off um mm -hmm. but if you put a review online or whatever you know i never say it when you if you tell me i suck on twitter okay Thank you for the review. I, I learned a lot in terms of that and the courtesies that, you know, and I see so much of it these days. Like you can tell that they didn't start old school because if our old, my old school mentor had seen me lashing out at someone for a bad review, who Lord child, they would have yeah. taken me out back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just don't do that. So I did take a lot of that with me. Mm -hmm. Um, but the rest of it, I just sort of flew by the seat of my pants, which is how this entire thing has played out for me. I just do it by the seat of my pants. My plots, my characters, all of it just sort of happens. Now, see, and that always drives me crazy when I hear authors talk about that, when I know you're also writing mysteries. Because um, my thought is always that you've got these things plotted out because of the mystery. It's like when you start off, you know the general story and who I mean, who done it behind everything? You know, the funny, it's funny you should say that. I never thought I could write a mystery. Mm -hmm. um, but I really sort of wanted to branch out from paranormal romance. I felt like the the market was really saturated. I really wanted to stretch my, you know, my writing abilities and my wings and see what I could see. And I didn't think I would sell a single one. Um, I was lucky when I came uh, to the indie arena because I already had a following. So I didn't struggle as much as some do when they like the postman goes, Hey, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to throw it up on Amazon and let's see what happens. You know what I mean? Like I sort of got the whole gig, but what happened recently is I have a series called Witchless in Seattle, which is a cozy mystery series. And it was the first one. Or I actually tried with a contemporary. People just don't like me in contemporary. I don't know what I can do. I don't, what do you people want? That's what I want to know. What? Like, why does it have to be a demon? Anyway. Um, now, I'm the wrong person to ask because I also like your contemporaries. Oh, see? Thank so, you. Right? I mean, all the Trophy Wives, I, I, I like that. So Thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And they appreciate you. But unfortunately, the mass population does not. 
So what happened was I wrote Witches of Seattle, right? And I always plot with my best friend, Renee George, who's also an amazing writer and you should check her books out. Um, I It's like tradition. Every book, almost every book I've ever written since probably like the seventh or eighth accidental, I have plotted with her. And we get on the phone and it's just a loose who, you know, and why did they do it? Who did it? It never ends up like that, but I don't have any specific clues or anything that just happens. So all of the witch lists in Seattle have witch in the title and I did 15 of them and then it was time to arc. So now I'm doing an arc with the the two characters well i don't know if i should spoil it i guess it doesn't really matter uh the two characters are now married and together mm-hmm. and it's called witched and hitched in seattle and i wanted to do something that really said it was a mystery instead of just like witch slap just witched you know those kind of titles i wanted to say the case of the mystery of so then i just plotted this out with my best friend on monday And I said to her, I can't believe I doomed myself like this because if I'm going to do, put the book up for pre-order, the cover and all of that, it has to have a full title. Well, it doesn't have to, but it should. So I'm like, so what is it going to be? The case of Dakota doesn't know? Because I I didn't have anything. I had zero idea. And she made me a beautiful new cover. I like, they're all new covers for a new chapter in their lot li- in the characters' lives. And I just stumbled and stumbled until my husband said, once we figured out the plot, <laughs> or loosely figured out the plot, it, a lot of it'll change before. But I had to have a title if I was going to have the case of, so it's the case of the missing spring flings offspring. So okay. I know you're like, what? but it'll all make sense. Um, But I don't normally have any of that. I don't even have, and usually my titles are kind of vague. So, you know, for instance, have yourself a merry little witness. That's vague. You just need a witness. It doesn't have anything specific in the way that these new books do. So it's all just by the seat of my pants. That's it. There's no plotting, no planning, no nothing. Every once in a while, I know what the end is going to be. And then I write toward that. But mm-hmm. mostly it's just me fooling around in my office. How often do you need to go through a book? I mean, so if you're initially putting it down on paper and figuring this out as you go, do you need to do multiple edits? Do you generally oh, I, get it right and then just plug I, things in? generally get the actual story right every once in a while there's a glitch where my editor will email me with my edits and go we got a problem but mostly um because i have a lot of really good proofreaders and beta readers and whatever people who will give it a good read through for me if i feel like i'm stuck but usually what happens is I struggle until about 20K and then I sort of, it all clicks kind of thing. And then I have to go back to the beginning because they're like, I'm like, I don't have any clues. I don't have any idea what I'm going to do. What's going to happen? I whine. 
Um, and I make sure I make my word count, even if I'm just adding like the glue words, you know, the, as whatever, to make sure I make my word count for each night. But then I go back and mm -hmm. I fill in. So by then, you know, I've read it 92,000 times and I hate it and I just want it to be done. Um, and I go through it all and then it all sort of starts to form. And then sometimes even when I get to like 30 or 40,000 words, I have to go back again and add more. And because I'm a pantser and not a plotter, that's the reason for that, unfortunately. I would love to be able to sit down and plot a book from start to finish, but it ain't never gonna happen. <laughs> it's like life. You don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. And so with that, are you usually only working on one book at a time then? Yes. Yeah, I'm pretty linear. Every once in a while, I don't know what happened to me this year. I sort of got a bug and I had an idea for another. I have like three series that I'm doing now and I had an idea for the other series. And so in the afternoon, like if there was nothing going on, I would just type up some some ideas and words. But mostly um, I do one book and it's linear. Every once in a while, I'll think of a scene that I think will be funny and I'll write toward that or around it. Um, but mostly I do it all very linear, linear. It's, um, sort of just one straight shot. I, yeah, I can't, I'll get overwhelmed and lose my mind. Yeah. One book at a time. One book okay. at a time. <laughs> well, Dakota, I want to switch over to what we call our fresh fiction facts. Okay. And since it December we're going to do some of our holiday editions oh all right yes right and, and of course because you do have the Christmas themed books and so yes. we kind of want to tap into that a little bit have them mention okay all the sleigh all right these are meant to be fairly easy questions not to stump you off the top of your head type things okay oh okay right. do you want to know how much I weigh is that what we're getting at here no, we get into more in-depth questions of do you prefer white Christmas lights or colored Christmas lights? Oh, white. Yeah, I, I like the colored uh, and I think I might put some outside this year. I haven't done outside. I am the Christmas queen. If you had any idea what my house looks like right now, it's like the inside of a Hallmark movie. Um, but I like I like white. So when do you start decorating? Immediately after Thanksgiving or even previously? Feels like I started in October at this point. I usually start, um, I used to start day after Thanksgiving. Okay. Uh, but typically I start nowadays mid-November, right? Mm -hmm. Because I have a lot of, when I say a lot, I mean a lot. Um, but uh, this year I had a deadline of the 20th uh, and then Thanksgiving have dare it be um, the 23rd so I didn't start until after Thanksgiving and I am still still mm -hmm. doing it yeah yeah I'm really I'm much slower now than I was before it used to be took me you know about four days to do an entire five-bedroom house and now I have a smaller house and it's taken me like two weeks. <laughs> and then how long do the decorations stay up? 
again, do you take it down immediately or do you wait? Until- no, 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 no. I wait until January you know, sometime. Mid-January, maybe. <laughs> February. Listen, Valentine's Day could use a little Christmas, right? Of course. Yes. There it's you all go. On yeah. The decorations. That's there was all. one thing I left up all year long. I could never seem to get my husband to take it down. And I was not going to do it. it. We have really tall windows in our living room, almost floor to ceiling. And I have this swag across it. It's really pretty. Um, and I didn't have to put it up this year, but it never got taken down either. <laughs> it doesn't really match with the decor. So anyway, yeah, white lights. I like a good white light. What's your favorite Christmas song? Oh, you know, I like a lot of Christmas songs. I, I, um, I like them all. I think probably though, I'll go with Silent Night by Johnny Mathis. It hurts my heart. I can't explain why. I love him so much. I grew up on his music when I was a kid with my parents. So, yeah. And then, you know, there's Last Christmas and All I Want for Christmas is You. Which everybody hates and I don't get why it's so fun. (laughs) When you're in the car, do you like go ahead and set it on the Christmas station that plays it nonstop? Or do you yes, anything else? No, I let I'm on the Christmas station. I'm watching the Hallmark movies. I'm listening to the Christmas music. I'm doing all of that. I'll, we watch a Christmas movie every night in the month of December. Every night. Every night. Wow. Yeah, almost every night, eh. unless one of us has to work or late or whatever. Like if I'm on deadline or, but I I actually have a slower pace during December because of Christmas. And then I want to be able to watch all the Hallmark movies and whatever. So I do less word count in December. Yeah. Yeah. Every night. Well, all the that, oldies. It kind of, I don't even know really the answer to this next one. What is your, your must watch Christmas movie? Like it is not the holidays unless you get a watch viewing of this particular movie. You know, I probably would have said love actually, mm. which I love. But there's another one that I really, really love, which probably won't be terribly popular with the romance crowd, but it's called Violent Night. (laughs) I love a good horror flick, but it's with the guy from, uh, I don't know if you're a fan of Stranger Things Mm -hmm. uh, on Netflix, but he plays a Santa, um, the real Santa, who interrupts a home invasion of these really super rich people. And it is awesome awesome it came out last year um but it's definitely there are two opposite ends of the spectrum i know but just a bit yeah 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 (laughs) it's really really good i highly recommend it it's not for everyone i don't think it's a lot of blood and guts but i'm a horror fan so you know it's not really horror it's just messy Messy, very messy Mm. a little bit of a different view of the season yes yeah it's definitely <laughs> a different view. but good versus evil so there's that <laughs> what is the best christmas gift that you've ever given i don't know 
um, given. I don't know. You know, I'm really crappy at gift giving. It's not that I don't want to. It's that I'm just not, I'm not a super sensitive girl. So with that, do you tend to do gift bags or do you wrap everything? Sometimes I do gift cards. Yes. With gift bags. Um, I'd have to say maybe the TV I gave my husband one year. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was a big 75 inch TV. That's probably the best gift I've given. The most expensive, maybe. I don't know. Again, I'm not a great gift giver. I'm really good at accepting them, though. So, oh, you know. No. <laughs> uh, open gifts Christmas Eve or Christmas morning? Um, We usually do Christmas, Christmas morning, Christmas day. Um, Usually my kids come over. Um, I mean, we're all sort of finding our way through new traditions now because the youngest just recently got engaged. Um, and the, I mean, they're both out of the nest and off doing their, their thing. And, uh, so they would typically come to our house this year. We're going to, uh, my youngest and his fiance's house for dinner, which is really weird not to have to cook or anything. I'm not unhappy about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, we usually do them Christmas day. Christmas Eve, it's just the hubby, hubby and I, we go out for uh, somewhere. We go like do hibachi or this year we're going to do fogo de chow. So I'll just the two there. of us. Yes, I love it there. I'm a meat eater, so. Well, what about fruitcake? Yes or no? No. No? Mm. Mm, you know, here's the thing. With a little cream cheese on it, it's not too bad. I had growing up a Jewish neighbor who... I don't think I've ever she had was, cream cheese. Oh. Girl, okay. try it. I'm here to tell you, it changes the game. It's sort of like, have you ever had pumpernickel bread? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. With cream cheese? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. sort of reminiscent of that, only with crunchy in it. Because, okay. you know, nuts and fruit. Yeah. So with cream cheese, sure. I had a Jewish friend growing up, a neighbor, and she was Jewish and... um. She, despite the fact that you know it's not really a, a Jewish tradition, um, she loved fruitcake, and so she would make some fruitcake. Her mom would make fruitcake, and she would put cream cheese on it. And I thought that was the shit. <laughs> like, Why really not good. just add another schmear to anything, right? <laughs> schmear it. Yep. There was always a schmear. Yep. 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 <laughs> I will have to try that one. That one's a new one for you me. You should definitely try it. Definitely. Because I have fruitcake already at the house. And so. Get some cream cheese, girl. Yeah. I, this, yeah. See, new suggestions all the time. Always yeah. good. Yes. <laughs> what is uh, your favorite tree ornament or decoration that you would just be brokenhearted if something happened to it? You know, I don't have anything like that. No attachment. No. Um, I do a different kind of tree every year. So I, and um, any of the sentimental things that I had for my children, long story, but let's just say divorce. <laughs> um, they kind of, uh, I think they're in the Hudson River. 
to be honest with you. Yeah, it was ugly. Um, But uh, I don't really have anything that I'm super attached to. I change it up every year. I, um, this year I did like more of a designer Christmas tree with the big tree topper with all the, you know, the berries and whatever. Um, last year the Christmas tree was all white and, or well flocked, I should say. And I did, you know, a sort of more farmhouse thing. Like it just depends. So I'm not attached to anything. I would be sad. Now, let me tell you something. I had 16 totes full of garbage that I would be really sad if somebody took away from me. But, you know, it could be replaced. There's nothing irreplaceable. More the yeah. overall experience and feeling of Christmas than any one specific. Oh, yeah. It's well, I love to decorate. So it's a decorator's dream come true. Yeah, I, I'm a decorator. I am. And just ask all my throw pillows and my husband who hates all my throw pillows. <laughs> well, Dakota, what is the best way for our readers to keep in touch with you, find out what's coming next and hear all the news? You could call me if you want. No, um, <laughs> no don't call me. Um, you can uh, hook up on Facebook. I post there all the time on both my fan page and my profile page. Um, I have two. So either or they're all both taken care of. I don't really do Twitter too much anymore. Cause that's gotten a little crazy Instagram. Um, occasionally I do a TikTok. I have um, an assistant now who has been really great about handling a lot of that for me. Um, I just don't always have the time, you know, to, I engage all the time with everybody, almost always. Um, but it was really starting to like, there were so many places to be TikTok, Instagram, blah, 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 blah. Um, it just was getting too much. So she manages all of that for me. And um, you can come say, hey, I have a newsletter too. I don't know what the URL to it is um, offhand. Sorry. Uh, but <laughs> just pop over to Facebook. Just put my name in. I'm everywhere. I'm like mold. <laughs> I just Very spread. Mold. Huh? Very entertaining mold though. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so stick around for our, uh, unrecorded happy hour with our other readers where they'll be able to ask you some other questions, sure. but once again, thank you for joining the Fresh Fiction Virtual Book Club. And thank I'm really you. with you because like I said, I've read so many of your books over the years and I'm a big oh, fan. Thank you, sweetie. <laughs> Appreciate you. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, honey. We'll see ya. Bye.